Well, happy Easter, BSCC. Uh, if this is the first time that you have worshipped with us, we are thrilled that you are sharing Easter with us. We've gathered online in this service to celebrate this wonderful truth that Jesus is alive, that death did not have victory over him, that after that Friday many years ago when he died, that was not the end of the story. There was a resurrection. Life triumphing over, the, over death had the last say. Easter is about life. It is about how Jesus is alive and he gives us life, new life, life with God, life to the very fullest, eternal life. And in this Easter message, I want to talk with you about this truth that a moment can change everything. A moment can change a relationship, can't it? When a, a young man gets down on his knee and takes out a ring and proposes, everything changes. I, I guess if she says yes, it does, but a young couple goes into a hospital. It's just the two of them. It's always been just the two of them. But a couple of days later, they come out, and now it's the three of them. And everything has changed. A moment can change everything. A moment can change everything about the world, can't it? This COVID-19 pandemic has brought about just that kind of a change. For all of us, a, a moment can change everything, a, a promotion, a pink slip, a car accident. Your, your health can change. For, for better, for worse, a moment has the possibility of changing everything about your life. A moment can change your heart. I've seen that. I've experienced that. And that is what happened to one of the two criminals that was being crucified on either side of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 27 verse 44 says both of the criminals were saying cruel words about Jesus. But then later Luke writes this in chapter 23 starting in verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same curse. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. What happened? Something happened. Matthew said both of the criminals were, were taunting and ridiculing Jesus. But then Luke said one of them changed. One of them stopped doing that. And I just wonder when that moment occurred for that man that changed him. Where he went from mocking Jesus to defending Jesus. There was a moment that, that changed his life, where his heart changed. This criminal hung on a cross next to Jesus for six hours before Christ died, and something happened in those hours. We don't know much about this criminal. We don't know his name. Now, what he says to the 
criminal on the other side of Jesus seems to indicate that either they were partners in crime or he knew about the crimes of this other man because he says we are being punished for what we did but we really don't know anything about those crimes he was a robber he was a thief but we don't know the specifics maybe he was a violent criminal maybe he had committed heinous crimes we, we don't know maybe he was not really that bad of a person maybe he had just made some bad decisions and you know just never really got a break in life and through a series of incidences unfortunate ones that just led to this moment of where he's on this cross being crucified next to Jesus we don't know my guess my thought is that probably he was a violent criminal a repeat offender why would I say that I would say that because the crucifixion was an execution that was reserved a punishment that was reserved for the worst of criminals but what caused the transformation in this man's life what what caused him from going from being a, a proud arrogant person yelling taunts at a, at a guy being crucified next to him to becoming a humble repentant man who defends Jesus and then cries out and asks for for Jesus's help there are three life and death truths that this repentant thief comes to know comes to to understand that, that changes him and these are three uncomfortable truths I just want to be up front with you in this message and say to you I'm, I'm gonna talk about some uncomfortable truths these three truths that that this criminal realized that lead him to this this moment of, of change this moment of of salvation this moment that opens the door to eternal life with God for him these are three truths that every human being needs to understand when the thief on the other side of Jesus continues to mock him continues to throw insults at Jesus and ridicule him this man says you need to stop what you are doing we, we are getting what we deserve for what we have done now what's he saying there he's saying that he understands he has done wrong that he understands that he has sinned and he recognizes that what he deserves for his sin is death that that his sins condemn him he says this is what I deserve here is the first life and death truth that I want to talk with you about we need to be saved we all do all have sinned and fall short Romans 3 23 this is the one thing that all of us have in common Romans 6 23 then says this for the wages of sin is death death is what we deserve the what we have earned for our sin and this isn't just an earthly death I mean everyone dies eventually this this is more than this 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 is talking about an eternal death or an eternal separation from God which is just a, a comfortable way of saying hell that all of us have sinned and what we deserve for that sin is hell now the Bible describes hell as being just a, a horrible place a place of outer darkness and 
loneliness. Jesus describes it as being a, a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not ever extinguished. And the truth is, unless we are somehow saved because of our sin, hell is, will be a reality. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe this. I, I, I think a lot of people just don't think about it, don't want to think about it. And the reason why is that the hardest truth for us to believe is the truth that we don't like. Isn't that, isn't that true? That, that if we don't like something, then we, it's just really hard for us to believe it. I, I'm going to confess something to you. For many years, I did not floss, okay? <laughs> I just, I was kind of lazy. I was like brushing my teeth a couple of times a day out of ought to be fine. And so I, every time I would go into the dentist, you know, the dentist would try to convince me, Dave, you need to start flossing. You know, they would give me brochures about how flossing would dramatically increase your oral health, you know, and they would give me floss before I left the dentist's office to try to get me started. But I was just like, you know, I, I don't want to hear it. You know, I don't want to floss. So don't, don't give me that information. Leave me alone. By the way, I have been flossing now for many years, but I think that's how a lot of us can be with truth that we don't like. Just don't tell me. I'm comfortable thinking, you know, what I want to think. The hardest truth to accept is the truth that we don't like. Now, maybe you're thinking, Dave, I, I do believe in God. I just don't believe in a God that would allow people to go to hell. And I would go, okay, as long as you understand that that God is not real, that he is pretend to make you feel better. Because the one true God has clearly spoken to us, and he said, all of us have sinned, and that what we deserve for our sin is hell. Here's another uncomfortable truth. We can't save ourselves. I think it goes without saying that this thief on the cross, he realizes that he can't save himself, but this is a hard truth for us to come to accept as well, that we can't save ourselves. Now, I do think that the, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has really caused, I think, a lot of us to kind of soften our hearts in terms of of at least being open to considering this truth. Because what it's done is it's just brought to the forefront of our minds the reality of how little control we actually do have over life. But I think even now, if we did a survey and we just asked people, you know, do you think that you're going to be going to heaven? That the, the number one answer, the majority of people, I think would answer something like this. I, I hope so, or I... I think I am because I'm, I'm a good person, you know, particularly comparatively when I look around, you know, I, I've done some, some good things, so I think I'll, I think I'll be okay. God has, says, has said to us, that is not true, that none of us, God says, has been good enough to save ourselves. Romans chapter 3 verse 20. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. In other words, by their own 
efforts in obeying God. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Heaven is a perfect place, and you and I are not perfect. I stopped being perfect a long, long time ago. This is why we need a Savior. The chances of you making it to heaven on your own goodness are kind of like, you know, the chance of you swimming from California to Hawaii in your own strength, you know. We cannot save ourselves. We have all fallen short. We are all in big trouble. We all need to be saved. Friends, I plead with you not to be like the thief who is on the other side of Jesus, who just continues to taunt him, who's dying in his sins, but refuses to ask Jesus for help. What do we tend to do with these two uncomfortable truths? I, I think we tend to try to distract ourselves so that we don't think about them, distract ourselves with work, with, with hobbies, with family, with, with whatever. But we don't have many moments where we, we stop and we're honest and we look deep down within our heart and wrestle with these two truths. But this is what the repentant thief on the cross does. He wrestles with these truths and he recognizes his own sin. He recognizes that what he deserves for his sin is death. And this is what I deserve as well. Make no doubt about it. That what I deserve for my sin is condemnation, is eternal separation from God. That this is what I have coming. Also, like the thief, I've come to realize that I cannot save myself, that no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, that I cannot do that. This thief who has a moment that changes his life forever, his eternal life, he, he was close enough to Jesus where he could hear everything that Jesus said on the cross. Why do I say that? Because they have a conversation with each other. And, and, and you don't yell or speak loudly very much when, you, when you're hanging like this with you know, being nailed to a tree and, and you're, you're just you know, doing everything you can to get the next breath. And so he has an opportunity, this thief, to hear the things that Jesus says in those six hours while he is on the cross. And I think that it's something that he, he hears Jesus say that is that moment for him. He would have heard Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe that was the moment for him. God cannot be associated with sin. He can't be in relationship with or proximity to sin. This is the whole reason that Jesus came to earth. So when Jesus then on the cross bore the guilt of our sin and our, our guilt upon himself, God turned away. Th this is the culmination of the grace of God that Jesus, as he became sin for us then, was separated from God that you and I might be united with God. That truth changes everything, doesn't it? Maybe that was the moment, although I'm not sure that the thief would have recognized the spiritual implication of what was happening in that moment. 
So I tend to think maybe it was something else. Maybe it was the, the moment where Jesus says something to his mother. And he says to her, dear woman, here is your son. And then he says to John, and here is your mother. You see, being the oldest child after Joseph dies, Jesus would have been, it would have fallen on him to make sure that his mother was, was protected, was provided for. And so in his, his dying hours in this most excruciating pain, he shows love toward his mother. How, how could that not soften a heart? Maybe that was the moment. But I tend to think that the greatest impact that Jesus' words had upon this repentant thief were the words that Jesus spoke about the soldiers and about those who were responsible for his crucifixion, the prayer that he prayed. I would have prayed for their destruction, but not Jesus. Let me read to you this part of the story from Luke 23. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. What do you do with that kind of grace? This repentant thief would have known more than anybody else what Jesus had endured because he himself was being crucified. And when the soldiers scourged Jesus, they whipped him with this whip that had balls of lead and pieces of glass and bone on the end that would just rip into his flesh. And then after whipping him to, to the point of, of death, they then take him and drive spikes into his, his wrists and into his feet and hang him on a cross. And as he hangs there then, after all of this torture and all of this abuse, he prays, Father, forgive them. And I think as the criminal, the repentant thief hears this, it just softens his heart and he's like, who is this person that can speak forgiveness to those who have who are, you know, executing him. And I think that in that moment, he wonders to himself, you know, if he has forgiven them, might he forgive me, me as well? Perhaps he doesn't deserve what's happening to him. I think he is the promised one. And he then finally gets it and he confesses what it is that he believes that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, that he is the promised king. And so he says to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus recognizes his faith and responds by saying, today you will be with me in paradise. I don't know if that's exactly you know, how that moment came to be, but there was a moment for this man, there was most definitely a moment. And in that moment, the worst day of this man's life became the best day of his life. And the worst thing that could ever happen to a person, being crucified, became the best thing that could have happened to him. I've had a moment like that. I'll never forget that moment. Have you had that moment? 
a moment where what Jesus did for you on the cross just wrecks you on the inside in a, in a wonderful way. And you know your life will never be the same. And you come to understand and to believe this third life and death truth that Jesus alone can save us. And I understand that, that many people find this to be an uncomfortable truth because it seems so exclusive. But friend, who else do you know? that walked out of their own grave. Moses, Buddha, Muhammad didn't come back from the grave. Jesus alone did. He alone has the right to be able to make the claim of salvation and eternal life because He alone came back from the dead. What an incredibly wonderful truth we are celebrating right now in His resurrection. We needed to be saved. We cannot save ourselves. But God, who so loved the world, gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus was nailed to a cross and He took upon Himself the guilt for all of our sins. He paid the price in His death that we could not pay for ourselves. And in so doing then, He became our Savior. And He died. But three days later, He arose and walked out of that grave holding with Him the keys of death and Hades. And He has conquered death so that you and I, we can be saved and have eternal life with God in heaven. You do not have to fear death. This is the number one fear that people have. The fear of dying. Because we don't know what, what's on the other side. What, what's going to happen to me? Is that the end? Is, is there an afterlife? Will, will I be judged? And, and we don't know. And we always fear what we don't know. But Jesus defeated death. Jesus conquered death. Jesus overcame the grave. And when we give our life to Him, we can be confident in our future. We don't have to be afraid. We can know and be assured that we have eternal life with God in heaven. What's heaven going to be like? Well, in a word, indescribable. I mean, it just cannot be explained here on this side of it. It's just, it's a whole other level. For you to understand heaven would be kind of like an ant being able to understand the internet, you know. It's just, it's indescribable to, to try to wrap our brains around the experience of heaven on this side of it. This is what Scripture has to say about it. 1 Corinthians 2.9 No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. I'll be honest with you, the older that I get and the more pain and the more struggles and 
and grief that I see around this world and, and the more friends and, and family I have on the other side in heaven, the more precious heaven becomes to me, the more grateful I am that Jesus has saved me, the more I look forward to being with him there in heaven and, and being done with, with the struggles and pain of this world. The truth is, all of us will have a day like that repentant thief had, a day of death. This is why the resurrection matters so much. This is why Easter is such an important thing. Because death affects everyone. I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that you are on a boat in the middle of the sea. And a storm hits. And waves just keep crashing against this boat. And eventually it capsizes and you get thrown out into the ocean. Now, you have your cell phone. You've been holding tightly onto it, trying to protect it the best that you can. To your amazement, it's, as you look at it, it's working. It, it, it's even more shocking to you that you've got a signal, but that battery warning light is flashing, and, and you can tell you've only got enough juice left for, for one call. So what call will you make with that call? Who, who are you going to reach out to with that call? Are you going to call for some food? Because you know you're going to be treading water for many hours, so you're going to get hungry and you're going to want something to eat. Are you going to call your boss, you know, and say, hey, after everything I've gone through here, I think I need a, a raise, you know. Are you going to call that special someone and pop the question, will you marry me? No, of course not. In that moment, there's only one question that you need to ask yourself. Who will save me? You know, sometimes we attend church. We're attending now online. As we do, we talk sometimes about relationships. We, we talk sometimes about finances. We talk about our future. Many, many different things on this side of the grave. And that's good to do. The Bible has lots of important things to say about all of those things. Those are good things to talk about. Unless you're drowning. But if you're drowning, that's what we need to deal with first, right? And the truth is, we all need to be saved. Is this your moment? Each of us must come to a decision. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And do you desire for him to be your Savior and the Lord, the leader of your life? If you do, if you make that decision, Jesus has promised new life for you, eternal life. Understand, there is no sin that cannot be forgiven. There is no life that cannot be saved. Jesus promises us this in John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And before I pray, I want to ask you that question. Do you believe this? 
If you'd like to talk with someone about your relationship with Jesus, about making a decision for him, there is a response form on our church and home page that I invite you to fill out. And if you do that, we'll have a minister contact you very soon. And then I want to remind you of that, that new class happening on Wednesday night, the Discover class. That would be a great class for you to participate in. You can find the answer to life's most important question. Who will save me? Jesus says, I will, for I am the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. We honor you in this worship service, God, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to save us, to take our place, to rescue us. Jesus, we exalt you and praise you. You are the risen one. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Thank you for loving us to the point of coming to this earth, humbling yourself, becoming one of us, that you might die as a, as a sinless Savior, paying the price that we could never pay for our sins. We honor you and love you for what you have done for us. Take our lives. We are yours. Lead us, Lord Jesus. For your glory, we pray these things in your name. Amen.